Hello, and welcome back to 3D Printing Basics. This is episode number 18, and in this episode, since this is the last one that I will be releasing this year, we are going to be going over some of the most significant news from the world of 3D printing this year. Before we get into it, I would like to ask you to please follow and rate this podcast and give it a five-star review. We're really close to me having to suffer through the experience of an Ender 3, and we are also super close to 100 five-star reviews, in which case I will be giving away an SVO7 to one of my lucky listeners. Also, I just wanted to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for all the amazing support this year. When I started this podcast just a few months ago, I never would have imagined that it would grow to be this large this fast. I'm truly grateful to each and every one of you that has decided to tune in. Thank you for carving out a little bit of your day to listen to me. All right, with that being said, let's get into some of the biggest events that I think happened this year. To start, I'm going to talk about my favorite company, Bamboo Labs, releasing their A1 and A1 mini printers. So up to this point, Bamboo Labs hadn't really differentiated their printers in any way. All their printers that they offered were the same printer with more or less features, and there really wasn't anything different about them. They all had the same build size, they all used the same AMS, and minus or plus a few features here and there, there really wasn't much difference between them. We are waiting to see if they would release a totally different printer, and on September 20th, they delivered with the release of their A1 Mini. So the A1 Mini, the most attractive thing about it is its price point. It's a bed slinger, but it still has all the same speeds that the other Bamboo Labs printers has. And if you get it without the their version of the AMS, it's only $299, and that's honestly a fantastic deal for any printer that offers any kind of quality. I mean, I remember the days when Ender 3s were almost that much, so it's definitely cool to see something that is such a step up and so much better than an Ender 3 going for the same price that they used to go to. This thing has full auto calibration. You can do the four color printing. It's very low noise. It has linear rails and bearings, vibration and flow compensation. It comes with everything. The only knock that I would say it has is obviously it's a mini, so it has a smaller build volume, only about 180 millimeters cubed compared to the 256 millimeters cubed that you get with the other ones. But overall, it's called the mini, so you know you're getting a smaller printer. So I, I wouldn't even say that that's a negative to this thing. It's honestly just a really sturdy and super solid printer. This printer received a lot of high praise for its ability to print just as well as the other models and at only a fraction of the price. Another few knocks on it that I would say was the excess filament dispenser or lack thereof. What it really does is just kind of drop the excess filament that it uses just off to the side, like in the P1P and the P1S and the X1 Carbon, there's a chute that it goes down where it goes out the back of the printer. And that has a designated place for it. But on this printer, obviously it's small and it's not enclosed. So you couldn't really put a poop chute dispenser on there. And so what it does is it just drops it out to the side of the table and that can build up. And if you're doing a really, color, a really colorful print with lots of different colors, that can just pile up super big and it could even spill over into your print bed. I haven't seen that yet, but I've seen massive, massive piles of extra filament pile up next to the printer when it's being used. Now at only 180 millimeters cubed build volume, that's pretty small, but Bamboo Labs made up for that a few months later when they released the A1. It is almost exactly the same printer as the A1 Mini. The only main difference is that it has the same build volume as the other X1 Carbon and P1P printers. And let's see the price on it. I know it's pretty good. 
looking at it now. The price of the A1 is only $399, so that's honestly really good if you're just getting the A1 and not the A1 combo that includes the the different version of the AMS on it. So that's honestly a really good deal for a really good bed slinger type printer. To me, it's very similar to all the other bed slingers out there, the Creality's, the Prusa's, anything you find. It's got the higher speed, it's got everything that you want, but it's a fraction of the price. So that's honestly really good. And I could, you know, I could go for one of these. I'm really looking into it. I think I'm gonna purchase one of these for myself. So the different AMS system is pretty interesting. So rather than sitting on top of the printers like the AMS systems on the other Bamboo Labs do, this thing sits on the side and carries four spools and does the same thing that the other AMS does. But what this does is it makes it take up an even larger footprint. Even the A1 Mini, it takes up a larger footprint than the P1P, P1S, X1C, all those other printers do. So that's pretty interesting that you're getting something that's called a Mini, but if you get it with an AMS system, it actually takes up more room than the bigger printers. Now, that's something to take into consideration. If you have the space but don't want to spend the money, then the A1 Mini and the A1 is obviously a really good option. But if you're tight on counter space, then you might just want to consider going back to the tried and true P1Ps. All right, to keep the theme of new printers going, I'm going to talk about Prusa printers and the printers that they release. Mainly the XL is what I want to focus on first. Also, side note, I know they didn't technically release the XL this year, but they started shipping orders this year, so I'm going to count that. The Prusa XL was something that I was very excited for, which is ironic because I still don't have one. I never got one. The main selling point, of course, is that its huge build volume is 360 millimeters cubed or double the print size of the A1 Mini. And that's really large for us American listeners. That is over 14 inches cubed of build volume. So you can really print some crazy stuff on that, some giant stuff. It also has an option to put an automatic tool changer on it and up to five tool heads. And basically what the tool changer does is rather than switching out the filaments, it switches out hot ends. So it will switch out the whole entire hot end assembly with different colors loaded into it. So you could print up to five different colors seamlessly with this. And this is just Prusa's way of combating kind of the AMS system that Bamboo Labs has to offer. It also comes with automatic first layer calibration, which is honestly starting to feel like just a standard that all printers come with nowadays. And I was very excited when I first heard about this printer releasing. However, I was turned off buying one because of the steep price tag and long wait times. I'm pretty sure, like 99% sure, that I looked at this printer in August of 2022. And when I did, the price was north of $2,000 and the machine wasn't even expected to ship until the new year of 2023. And Looking at it now, not much has changed. I mean, the price tag is still 2,500 bucks for just two tool heads. If you want to get five tool heads on it so you can print with five colors, it's it's 3,500 bucks. And if you want to get it assembled, it's $4,000. So it runs anywhere from 2,500 or $2,000 to $4,000. And it even has a note still, it says new orders will be processed during the first half of 2024. And I know it's basically 2024 already, but this is the first half. So that could mean that if you order a printer now, you won't be getting it until June. And that's honestly, that's a really long wait, no matter how good the printer is, especially when you're dropping this kind of money. Because I don't know a lot of people who can 
because I don't know a lot of hobbyist makers who can afford to drop 2500 on a machine, much less drop that much money on a machine and then wait six months for it to come. If I'm spending that much money on a printer, I want it to come, even though it's coming from Prague, I want it to be here in at least a month if I'm spending that much money. So I think that's pretty isolating for this machine, the price and the long wait times. But I did want to highlight it because I thought it was significant and I think it's taking a step in the right direction for making 3D printers bigger in build size. All right, the final printer drop that I wanted to talk about was the Prusa MK4. And this drop was honestly really interesting. It was clearly rushed in response to Bamboo Lab. I remember when the first trailer for the MK4 dropped, it was almost immediately after the Bamboo Labs P1P came out. Honestly, the trailer was crazy. I watched the trailer and then I immediately bought one. But the thing that really bugs me about this drop is that it marketed input shaping with the accelerometer, but it didn't even have it yet. Like, and they didn't say that. So I bought this printer fully expecting an accelerometer and be able to do input shaping and be able to do vibrance, vibration compensation and be able to run this machine super, super fast. But I just couldn't. Like when I got it, it was good and it ran faster than the Prusa MK3 because I had an MK3 and the MK4 at the time, but it didn't run that much faster. It was up to six months, six to eight months until the accelerometer started shipping and you could do the input shaping on the Prusas. So that was kind of sketchy that they marketed the input shaping as part of the drop, but you couldn't get it until six to eight months later. I mean, I still like the printer a lot. What I'm honestly hoping for is I want, I'm waiting on Prusa to make the improvements needed to it and to kind of see the run times from other people and get feedback from people and make improvements. And I honestly plan to purchase another one. I think it's a really good printer and I specifically want the printer to print my TPU prints because of the planetary gear system that it has. So this printer, when they released it, they pretty much made it the same price that the MK3 was selling for, and then they cut the price of the MK3 almost in half. So if you want to pick up these pieces, it's going to be about 1100 bucks. There's obviously the add-ons and whatever you want to do with that, but it's going to be about 1100 bucks and an estimated lead time of two to three weeks. So much, much more what we're used to seeing from Prusa rather than the possibly six month wait time that you could be waiting for the XL printer. But overall, I do think it's a good printer. Okay, now that we've talked about some of what I think are the most significant printer drops of the year, I want to talk about some of the headlines of 3D printing that we saw throughout the year. I pulled up a few articles of what I think were the most significant or coolest events, and this first one is about 3D printed housing. I've been seeing a lot about 3D printed housing throughout the year, and I honestly didn't really believe in it. I didn't think it was super practical, and I didn't think it made a lot of sense, but then I came across this article about how a group in Denmark is planning on 3D printing student housing for a college. What they are planning on doing is printing six buildings out of concrete, and then those six buildings are going to have six apartments in each. So essentially 36 student dorms for people to live in. And this was pretty interesting to me because I always thought that if 3D printed housing was going to take off, it would only be in tiny homes because... I just didn't see that 3D printed housing on a mass production type scale or even a bigger home style scale was going to make a lot of sense or be super practical because one of the things that I thought was that it takes forever and it uses a lot of material that isn't super stable. Like it uses concrete, sure, but 
I didn't think that layers and layers of concrete together would create a super strong base, but what do I know? I don't know anything about 3D printed housing. That was just my opinion. I pulled up the article here and it says that a company was commissioned by the school to build these places. And basically how they do it is they have a crane-like structure that has a robot arm on it that basically all it is is a tube where you can put the concrete into and then an extruder on it. And what the crane and robot arm does is follow the same G-code path to print layers and layers and layers until you get the shell of the house. And then obviously people are going to go back in with wood. They're going to go back in with other materials to finish up the house and totally complete it. You can't you can't make a whole entire 3D printed house out of concrete. It just doesn't make sense. And I've been seeing a few of these. I've seen probably three or four articles throughout the year of people printing houses. For instance, I saw a 400 square foot home being completed in just five weeks in Guatemala and also just 3D printed tiny homes all across the world. And it seems to be not taking off, I'd say, but it seems to be getting a little bit of momentum and I'm excited to see where this goes because I think 3D printed housing could be not like the future, but it could definitely play a significant part in construction as wood is getting more and more scarce. Next, I want to talk about what I think is the coolest 3D printing event of this year, the rocket launch. So this is definitely the coolest thing that I've seen so far this year, a company called Relativity Space. They printed a rocket. The rocket is made up of 85% of 3D part, 3D printed parts. And it took off from Cape Canaveral Space Station and it was kind of successful. So first it had two fails and then on the third attempt it successfully launched but then it didn't make it to the atmosphere. Unfortunately, but honestly I still consider that a rocket launch and that still is really cool to me. It's pretty interesting to see 3D printed parts being used in a space like this that requires so much force and puts so much strain on the parts that are being used in something like a rocket launch, especially something that's going to be out in space in the sub-zero temperatures. It's really exciting to me. I love seeing stuff that's being used in an engineering space like this, and it just really shows how 3D printing can be used for so much more than just like your typical plastic parts like toothbrushes or stuff like that. It can be used in the harshest of conditions and still work well. This opens up a whole lot of opportunities for 3D printed parts to be used in the space area or in the, you know, on the space station or on the moon, or even if we decide to travel and leave this earth, 3D printing will play a huge role wherever we decide to go. And it's honestly just super cool to me and something that I really enjoy and really hope to see people keep building on this space. The last thing I want to talk about is the company Apple, I'm sure a few of you might have heard of it, using metal 3D printing in its Apple Watches. So what I'm seeing here is that Apple, obviously it's the largest company in the world right now, is experimenting with 3D printing to fabricate the steel chassis for its future Apple Watches. And this is honestly something that's really cool for me because metal 3D printing was something that I thought was years away from being perfected. And if it's something that even Apple is considering using for its Apple Watches, it's shown to me that metal 3D printing has developed a lot faster than I thought it would be and could play a huge role in the manufacturing industry sooner than what I thought. And that's honestly super cool for me to see. So what these companies do, there's a couple companies that are in contention, but obviously they haven't decided on something yet. But they use LBPF or laser powder bed fusion. And so what this process is, is you have a substrate, a build platform that's made of metal, 
and then there's a recoder or a roller that spreads a really thin layer of metal powder across the build platform and then a laser comes on and selectively melts the powder that you need to form the layers that you need and it just does that layer on layer on layer on layer until you get the metal 3d printed part that you want this is a really good way for a metal 3d printing to work rather than just printing something out of a nozzle because in my opinion it gives for it gives way for less inconsistencies and allows for something like metal 3d printing to be used way more effectively and also in my opinion this is huge for the 3d printing space because it shows that it can be used in a mass production format if apple decides to use these for their apple watches i mean obviously there's millions and millions of apple watches that are being sold across the globe and if it's something that they decide to use and a 3D printed part is going in every single Apple Watch, it just shows that, you know, 3D printers aren't just for if you need tens of parts or if you need hundreds of parts. They're used, they can be used for a millions and millions of parts job. And that's just something that I've always believed in and something that I think is really cool to open up to the public as like, hey, other than injection molding, this is 3D printing is also an option. Okay, that's pretty much all I wanted to cover for this episode. I'm really happy with this episode. I hope that you learned a thing or two. And that's pretty much all I got for you. Please don't forget to like and follow and rate this podcast. Remember, I'm going to be doing the giveaway soon. I hope everybody has a happy new year. And again, thank you so much for supporting me during this year. I know next year we're going even bigger and better. And I can't wait to see where 3D Printing Basics is going to go. Thank you again so much for listening. And I'll talk to you next year.